asking yourself, do I want to go for a run? Then you have an option. Do I have to go for a run? I don't have to do anything. Do I need to run? Well, why do I need to run? Do I need to run because I need to be fit? Do I need to run because I need to earn my food? And do I need to run because this is what I'm expected to do? And I, I shouldn't have that expectation, you know? So I think that that kind of perspective is what Nepal gave me. It gave me that opportunity to just realize that at any given moment, if I wanted to, I could turn off my social media, I could go and travel like a normal 24-year-old, I could get an office job, I could completely change my direction. Um, but what I did find in Nepal was I love the direction I'm going in. I love that it brought me to Nepal, it brought me to community, it brought me to the mountains. And that right there, that country holds everything that I love. Hi everyone, welcome to the Training for Ultra podcast. My name is Lucy Bartholomew and I'm super stoked to be on today talking all things running and not running. Uh, I'm coming from Melbourne, Australia. I'm 24 years old. Uh, I've been in the game of ultra and trail running for oh seven years now, um, but still learning every day and yeah, excited to do a podcast that maybe is a little different. If we could just free ourselves of our perceived limitations and tap into our internal fire, the possibilities are endless. I'll tell you about it when it happened in the race, but to be honest with you, it happened even before the race. It happened in the training. Great cause. Oh, thank you. I respect that, man. So you keep doing what you do, it, man. Keep inspiring. Jam Jam, Jamil Curry here from Era Viper Running, and welcome to the Training for Ultra podcast. For all you kids out there, stay safe and stay strong. Hey everyone, it's the Training for Ultra podcast. Scott Jurek here. I was physically totally wrecked. I, I had nothing left. I figured I might as well move as quickly as possible towards the finish line if I was going to be moving towards it anyways. How do you even do that? Decided if I could, you know, finish a 50 miler, I could probably run across the country. Right now I'd say that my beers per day is still higher than my miles per day that I'm running. 100 miles is not that far. Hey, this is Carl Meltzer, the Speed Goat, and I want to welcome everybody to the Training for Ultra podcast. Welcome to episode 150 of the Training for Ultra podcast. My name's Rob. I also go by Training for Ultra in I'm starting to feel a little old here, 150 episodes in, season four is almost to a close, so a lot of great content to share with you guys. We'll get to Alyssa Clark's part two episode later this week, I promise. I know I left you with a cliffhanger, but man, this episode with Lucy is just, I truly enjoyed it. It was an unbelievable conversation, and with these these super elites that are really well known, they've hit up so many podcasts that a lot of times I feel like I can't add value by asking them, hey, what's your weekly mileage? What's this? What, you know, like the standard questions, just because they've been asked it so many times, they get disengaged. It just doesn't come across as a great podcast episode a lot of times. So I went into this trying something a little different. Lucy was all about it. And I'm just really happy with how it turned out. So please enjoy this episode. So I'll start off with, we do have Training for Ultra wraps available. 
We have a pink one, kind of a greenish-black one also available. Check out trainingforultra.com. Big thank you to the show sponsors, Hammer Nutrition. If you haven't tried them out, feel free to use my promo code, referral code 252888 to save 15% off your first order. Also, big thank you to Exoskin. They're having a big holiday sale, so check that out. The code in the in the show notes, and it should give you one of their best discounts available. So I think they're even throwing in on certain orders above certain thresholds, like a free skull cap. But I love their toe socks, love all their gear, very high-tech material that doesn't stink. It's really well made. Uh, last but not least, Kogala. If you haven't tried out a waist belt during pitch dark black nights, it's game changing. Like I truly can't imagine running through the night during a race without one having used one so many times now. So check that out. Show notes should have a discount code if you need one. Big thank you to the Patreon supporters. You guys are making this all happen. Like I really appreciate you guys. I really love the behind the scenes closed Facebook group conversations. Hopefully you're getting early previews of all these episodes and just couldn't do it without you. So sometimes you have conversations that when you're in the middle of them, you start realizing it's a special conversation. And I think that's kind of the best way to describe this conversation with Lucy. I wanted to try something a little different here. I think it came out amazing. So enjoy this episode. Thank you for joining me on the Training for Ultra podcast. Really excited to talk to you. You're an inspiration to a lot of people. Yes, you're a talented runner, um, but you're just, you have tons of experience way beyond your young age of 24. So thank you for taking some time and having a conversation. Yeah, not a problem. I think uh, time is something I have in abundance at the moment. So <laughs> I'm happy to have someone to speak to. <laughs> well, let's start there because, uh, you know, there hasn't been that many recent interviews of you. You know, how are things going? COVID's kind of shut down global travel, all the races and, and massive goals that we focus on throughout the years have been uh, – stopped in their in their tracks and canceled how are you holding up during the pandemic yeah it's been super super interesting you know at the start of this year i traveled to new zealand i ran the tarawira 100k i traveled to nepal i put on a running camp um and did my own kind of exploring around there in the mountains and I came home and, you know, on the plan was to go to Western States 100 mile to then go to the UTMB 100 mile and then to complete an Ironman. Um, so it was a huge year that was kind of planned that I was super excited for. But in hindsight, I wasn't ready for that year. Um, 2019 was kind of an indicator that things were starting to not go so well for me. You know, I didn't have a great year of racing. Yes, I finished Western States, but it wasn't pretty. I went to CCC, but I didn't start. And I went to UTCT, Ultra Trail Cape Town, and I was injured. Um, so 
you know, I was being an ultra runner, super, super stubborn about it and really optimistic, overly optimistic that, you know, things would just get better if I just kept going. Um, but COVID was something that stopped me from going and kind of made me realize that, yeah, I had some, had some stuff to sort out, be that the injury, be that kind of, yeah, letting go of trying to control things and trying to prepare for these dates on the calendar, which, you know, these race dates, which just mean so little in the scheme of things. Um, but to come home, spend time with my dad, who I haven't really spent uh, a winter with for seven years now. Um, it's been, it's been really nice. It's been really simple, uh, very peaceful. I miss the, I do miss the travel. Of course, you know, I live in the middle of kind of nowhere in Australia. I'm not quite in the mountains. I'm not quite by the sea. I'm not in the city. I'm just in the bush. Um, which is really, it's nice in its own way. Um, but I miss my friends and I miss talking to people and I'm someone who runs for the community. Uh, I don't really mind the racing and the winning and the accolades, but I, I love being at a finish line and giving out medals after I finished or if I've not run at all and being able to, to hug people and smile with people and, you know, say you did it or you tried, um, and I miss that. So that's kind of the only real letdown that I've had. But uh, yeah, I've kind of managed my way through it. And I just am so excited for the next start line or finish line that I get to stand at. So, it, I mean, it sounds like COVID's had almost kind of an ironical, like positive effect on you. I'm assuming this is mostly training related and like physical I mean, has it taken any kind of mental toll? Because it seems like you, of all people, have really developed like a, a sound, like worldview and grounding on on just having a really great perspective on racing. Like it's hard, I it's hard for me in the middle of the pack passing up on a free race. I can't imagine the pressure you're under when you have like all kinds of sponsorships tied to these races and point systems and you get caught up in the media hoopla. I mean, do you think it's helped, uh, you know, not being able to do any of these races mentally, like kind of reground you refocus you? Yeah, I think the the physical side of things is very, very minor in terms of what COVID and 2020 has offered me. Um, you know, I look at my more current years being, you know, in 2018, I had great success at Western States. I finished third place um, and suddenly was skyrocketed to the top of everyone's radar. Um, and no longer was I just this young kid that was from Australia long way away and um yeah it was just kind of the young person that was doing her own thing and I took that and was super excited to kind of roll that momentum into the, the back half of 2018 and then the front and all of 2019 but the thing was was that my body was uh probably yeah very much walking a fine line and because I wanted to hold on to that momentum, hold on to that fitness, be that person that everyone had seen cross the line and or at the start line in Squaw Valley of Western States. Uh, I didn't take the downtime that 100 miles requires and then 100 miles at that pace and in that intensity, uh, like you say, it's you've got the pressure on um, and then the pressure is only increased when you have success and that never ends. And I think that's something that's not really spoken about is that 
yeah, you know, you have success and you think, you know, I had people ask me after Western States, like, oh, like, how has your life changed? And I, I'm always like, it didn't at all. <laughs> like, I came back home and still lived in Diamond Creek. I still am who I am. The only thing is, is that everyone expects me to show up and do it again. And so when I turned up to CCC um, and wasn't in great sh- shape and everyone was kind of like, oh, what, what's happened? Are you injured? And the thing was, was I had no injury, but I was had outrun the love of running. I just was over it. I didn't. Uh, I wasn't enjoying it. I was just doing it because that's what I was meant to do. That's who I was. And so, you know, when running was kind of taken away a little bit during this lockdown, it was kind of like, all right, Lucy, if you're not Lucy the runner, then who are you? And I was like, well, I really want to write a cookbook. Cool, Lucy. Like you're an author. What else are you? And it was kind of really shined lights on. I'm not just a one-dimensional person and even on my social media you can kind of see it has changed a lot from being like, yeah, I ran four hours, I'm amazing, I'm so fit, I'm ready, instead of being like, yeah, you know, like super nice to be outside just appreciating jumping in the puddles, running in the rain, home to my dog, home to my dad, cooking a nice meal. You know, my day doesn't surround that few hours that I'm running Um and that's kind of a really important thing that I needed to learn. I love it. I mean, having followed you throughout the years, it's it's so refreshing hearing an elite ultra runner say, like, you know, I'm I'm gonna sit this race out. I, I'm not feeling like this is a good idea. And then it's so bizarre to hear like all the backlash of an elite being smart and thinking long term. And then also, I I believe it was last year you had something on Facebook where it was like you wanted to do a race but not try to be super competitive. And it was like the same thing. People were I, – I, I don't know. I'm blown away that you have uh, developed such a, an awesome level of self-confidence and you know – a lot of who you are at such a young age and you're not just going with the typical norms of these elites that just show up at every single race, race as hard as they can. And, you know, four or five years from now, we don't know who they are anymore because they've completely, completely burnt out. So I respect that a lot. I hope more elites, uh, see that as, uh, hopefully a template when you're not feeling a hundred percent, like just take a break. It's okay. Um, you did send me a few books that you really enjoyed the power of now being one of those, which I, I tend to relate to quite a bit. I want to hear more about how you've developed on that level, like being present. Is this a typical like thing that's part of your daily routines? I mean, are you meditating? Tell me more about that aspect of your life. Yeah, it's been, it's a journey, that kind of thing. And I think it's something that's ebb and flowed into my life and out of my life. Um, you know, like going back when I started running when I was, uh, 14 and ran my first hundred kilometers with my dad, I definitely, you know, it was a very present thing. It was something that, you know, I remember, there was a lot of controversy around it, a lot of people telling me that I was too young, that a female couldn't run 100Ks, that I, 
I was going to stunt in growth, that I wasn't going to be able to go to school and learn and that my parents were bad parents. And my dad, you know, we're standing on the start line and he said, Lucy, you've got to smile your whole way through this race because there's so many people wanting to pull you out to be right because that's what humans want to be. They want to be right. Um, and so that was a very, like that moment then was when I was like, okay, like if I smile and if I'm happy with what I'm doing and who I am and where I am and why I'm doing this, then that should be enough. And that's something that I've taken with me in all my running. Um, you know, I would say that I probably lost it a little in 2018 when my focus was so on Western States and so on being an athlete that I didn't have, I wasn't as present in other parts of my life. You know, I wasn't as social. I wasn't as probably friendly to be around for my dad. It was more about do the training, do the resting, get up, do it again. Um, and so I think with the, like the mindfulness, you know, I've really used um, through the book, through reading, through the power of now, through listening to podcasts and understanding how the mind works and how important it is that you're not just physically fit but you're emotionally fit mentally fit and spiritually fit um and yeah so for me you know I I meditate when I need to it's not something that I'm like I must do 10 minutes a day Uh, I do it every morning it's kind of you know I have a very lucky life uh where I can kind of just sit down at any point that I want to and whether that's midway through a run or if it's um early in the morning or late at night I kind of will take the time to just create a space because I have found that uh, with all the pressure that I, I do feel and I put on myself, I can get quite anxious. And that's going to completely, all the training, all the good work that you lay down throughout the day, all the good food you eat will be totally reversed if your mind is telling you that you're not good enough. And I think that that's like the most important thing that I want to spread into the world of of athletes, especially females, is that like, if you believe it, you can achieve it. Um, and if you speak kindly to yourself and if you look after yourself and you give that space to grow and to that opportunity to be your best version, then that will happen. You know, I'm a big, big fan of manifestation of visualization, um, and just kind of allowing all aspects of you to be you. Um, and you can, you can fake it for a little bit. You know, I tried to change my body to be, a certain way to look a certain way because that's what an athlete was meant to look like and yeah your body your mind everything will go against you pretty quickly and it's just not worth it i love it i am very very similar and tell me when you spent time in nepal was it, the, it was early this year uh did that kind of connect the dots for you in any in any sense or had they already been connected and that's why you were there and tell me more about that experience i'm probably one of the few people in the world that had nearly booked a ticket out (laughs) in early march or april this year and just ended up calling it off uh for a bunch of different reasons but i wanted to go really bad i was almost going and it's funny you you went this year i mean Tell me about that experience. Yeah, so Nepal has always been on my list. Like you, I kind of, to me, it was the place that, you know, both, uh, you know, the mountains are beautiful. The, the people are known for being beautiful. The 
um, yeah, and the spiritual side of things is really, really strong. And I feel that people that kind of follow that path of mindfulness and uh, that kind of understanding are very drawn to Nepal and the Himalayas. So I went to Nepal uh, to help as a coach for a camp and I went there two weeks early and did my own kind of moving around and exploring and I wouldn't say I hadn't connected the dots before that. I think I was still very much um, just trying to understand what this all, what my life was doing, you know, and I think I went to Nepal. I had a terrible race at Tatawira and I was like, okay, I'm flying from New Zealand to Nepal. I hope Nepal holds the answers. And I've heard this before that people go there seeking something. And when you seek something, it's often that you don't find it. Um, but I ended up doing a retreat there that was all about kind of, um, yeah, it was about mindfulness. It was yoga. It was, um, intuitive, like very cleansing. It was a a very spiritual retreat. I haven't spoken about it heaps on my social media because, you know, there are no images to go with it because you are taken, your phone's taken off you, you know, you turn up, you're changed into a robe because your clothes define you. All I had with me was sports gear. And so they thought, well, she'll, everyone will assume that she's fit, that she's healthy, that she's an athlete. You know, when you're in a robe, no one knows you any from anyone else. And it was so refreshing and so amazing to to meet these people and to just have no nothing that kind of gave you an indication of who they are, where they've been from, where they've been, where they're coming from and what they're looking for. So my trip started with that in Nepal and I found it, you know, there was a lot of kind of uh, quiet time and a lot of we we're in just outside of Kathmandu looking at the Himalayas and you know, it was, as an athlete, I was like, oh, I just want to run every day. But there was no exercise. It was more about yoga and uh, well, not that yoga is not exercise, but more about slow movements and being very thoughtful about the present and doing things mindfully. Uh, so I left there and then I went um, to uh, Pokhara and I did a little fast packing, which was something that I thought I'd be okay with doing, um, but when I kind of got there, I was like, oh, I don't really know how this the hut system works. I don't really know if I'm going to have enough money. I don't, didn't really know how things worked, and I did have a little bit of fear, but it was so cool to kind of put in my Solomon backpack everything I needed uh, to head out and just to realize that there are so many people walking those tracks. They all just want to have a good time. They all want to share a chat. They all want to point you in the right direction or maybe a better direction. And to get lost amongst the giants of those mountains was something that was incredibly special and such a perspective shift for me. It was kind of, I realized that I didn't always have to take the route that I'd drawn out the day before. And sometimes snow's on the high track, so you take the low track. Um, sometimes 10 Ks can take three, four hours and sometimes it can take 40 minutes. But, uh, yeah, I just found Nepal to be like, there were little hints along the way that kind of told me you are on the right path. And Lucy, there is no right path. You are on your path and you, you have a choice every day to wake up and to, to be a positive influence, to, uh, challenge yourself, to enjoy yourself, to look after yourself. And you also have the choice to not do that. Um, so then when we had the camp, we had 20 foreigners come and it was interesting to see uh, much older people who 
come from expats that were uh, Brazilian people living in Singapore and they were just like really didn't vibe the whole Nepalese setup. You know, where was the warm shower? Where was the, um, you know, like how do I carry my suitcase up the mountains? Mm -hmm. And it was cool to see them shift their mindset as well, even in the smallest ways. And, you know, I'm I'm proud of myself because I'm very open-minded and, you know, I don't need a shower for weeks and I'm fine. But, um, yeah, to kind of then have learned a little bit and to share that with them and just tell them that you have a choice every day and you can complain that your hairdryer is not here or you can, you know, enjoy the fact that you don't have to worry about what your hair looks like up here. (laughs) Um, And, yeah, so it was just I feel like it was a whole lot of small little conversations, uh, visions, incidents that I have drawn upon so much in the last however many months it's been since then i mean that's profound i mean you were a model uh living you know on such a different uh perspective previously and to to make a shift from that to then having those experiences is unbelievable it seriously is i mean how much of what you learned can actually be expressed in words? Very little. Um, And this is probably the first podcast. um, You know, we said we were going to go in a different direction. This is the first podcast that I've actually thought about it. And, you know, like you don't have questions written down. I don't have answers. um, And I'm just talking off the top of my head. But when I voice it, I think of those moments and those times and those those feelings and yeah, my vocabulary is not very big, but um, (laughs) yeah, you know, it's, it's really hard to, um, yeah, to tell someone. I think it's something that I hope that you do get to experience as well soon. So let's, let's take that experience and then I want to hear how you've applied it since then. I mean, has it helped your training? Has it helped? I mean, it sounds like you wrote a cookbook I mean, it sounds like it had a profound effect on you and has kind of reset everything in a very, very positive way. I mean, how have you applied what you learned out there? Yeah, I think you're right. I think I I came back and I realized, you know, I needed to fix, uh, you know, my injuries were, were a manifestation of what was going on in my head. Um, and that was that I was so stressed about, not being ready for Western States, not being ready for UTMB, not being the athlete that everyone looked at, you know, I gained some weight and that I had people telling me that. And, you know, I kind of from Nepal and from the way the people treated me and the way that the mountains didn't care. And, um, you know, that I was not an athlete there. I was just Lucy I think I came back and went, man, I want to be so much more than just someone who runs across a trail really fast because there is so much more to offer this world. And so I was like, well, the one thing I've talked about doing for five years is a cookbook and I've talked about it, but I've never had the confidence. Um, I've had a bit of a weird relationship with food. I probably still do. Like, should I put out a book? Should I be telling people what to eat. And then it's like, well, I'm not telling people what to eat. I'm telling them what I eat, what I love, what I enjoy, what's given me the energy to get to all those mountain summits, to get to Nepal, to run through Nepal. Um, So I think that it just gave me a bit of confidence in that, 
there's there's things you can do in life. Um, there's things that you want to do in life, but you know, there's a very difference between wanting to do something, needing to do something, and having to do something. And so I really focused on my the words I use to associate. Can you hear that? Sorry. Yeah. No, it's okay. Sorry. <laughs> They've got a boat and they're just emptying the water out of it. It's all good. Um, yeah, so you just about the words that I use around the things that I do every day. You know, I I wanted to write a cookbook. That's awesome. I didn't have to do anything. Um, you know, having to train, needing to train, and wanting to train are totally different phrases. You know, when you're asking yourself, "Do I want to go for a run?" Then you have an option. Do I have to go for a run? I don't have to do anything. Do I need to run? Well, why do I need to run? Do I need to run because I need to be fit? Do I need to run because I need to earn my food? Do I need to run because this is what I'm expected to do and I, I shouldn't have that expectation, you know? So I think that that kind of perspective is what Nepal gave me. It gave me that opportunity to just realize that at any given moment, if I wanted to, I could turn off my social media. I could go and travel like a normal 24 year old. I could get an office job. I could completely change my direction. Um, but what I did find in Nepal was I love the direction I'm going in. I love that it brought me to Nepal. It brought me to community. It brought me to the mountains and that right there, that country holds everything that I love. Um, but I don't have to be in that country all the time to feel that, you know, I come back to Australia and I feel it even when the community seems so far away, when the mountains seem so far away, I, I know that it's within me and that that's in my future and that's where kind of manifestation has come from. That's amazing. So totally random question here, but are you far enough out that there's like no light pollution at all? Like, do you have just spectacular, like star filled nights out where you are? We have really, really good, yeah, clear, starry nights here. Um, I mean, it kind of depends, like, how the wind's going and stuff. We do get a lot of fire smoke as well because uh, mm -hmm. it is pretty dry out here. But, yeah, we've been really treated to some, some really beautiful skies. Because I'm wondering, have you had profound moments on the trails that you'd like to share that are similar from your trip? Maybe they're even recent ones, but thoughts and emotions that have come up since i wouldn't want to i don't want to say like you found yourself but you, you might have actually <laughs> you seem very confident with who you are now like on a whole different level especially rare for a 24 year old i mean are you having profound moments out running i find running to be like such a beautiful time for everything to switch off. And I've had, you know, I've had been really lucky to have those, you know, those moments of flow state that they, everyone talks about and looks forward to those moments where time passes. You don't even feel like you're expending energy, but you're moving swiftly. And I've had that in training and I've had it in races, you know, the Western States brings to mind is probably the most beautifully brutal and hectic um, blow up of a race that I've had. But, you know, the first 100Ks, I, I can't even remember it in 2018. It was so ridiculously, it felt so easy. It felt so 
uh, peaceful and just it just felt like this is where I should be. This is what I should be doing. I'm going to put my foot on that rock. Everything was in slow motion, but I was moving quickly. And I can't say that I've had that feeling again. Um, I'd say that during um, lockdown and the runs that I've been doing around home, I found more appreciation rather than in like what I'm doing and how I'm feeling, but more in truly listening to the birds. Um, you know, in Australia, we have amazing kookaburras and we have black um, yellowtail black cockatoos. And, um, yeah, there's just amazing, uh, wildlife out where I live and kind of listening to the rustle of the kangaroos and hearing the sound of the kookaburra as the laugh and seeing the, yeah, just kind of listening to everything else around me and just realizing that I think for a while there, I was so focused on me and what I was doing and making sure that I was running well, that I was kind of missing what I was running past and what I was running on. And you think about the land and, you know, I've really learned a lot about the Aboriginal history and what what that means. And out where I live is very uh, sacred land for the Aboriginals. And it's kind of understanding that, you know, wanting to protect that and wanting to be present to that history because that's so important to um, of what makes the trails are what they are, especially where I am right now. So I kind of profound in a different way less about kind of me and my feelings and my mind and more about understanding that that's not all that there is in the world i think that's amazingly profound also (laughs) um i mean has global travel helped kind of solidify a, a community feel like like a deeper level kind of interconnectedness that maybe is lost if you're not traveling? I think there's something so beautiful about landing in a country and not knowing how to speak the language, but understanding that like a smile is a universal sign for I'm happy, I'm approachable, I'm good, um, and we can be friends. And I think that I love that. I love putting myself in those situations where I I may not know how to say hello or I may not know how to say, is this (laughs) plant-based or where is the toilet? Um, But I love the fact that you can still communicate and you can look someone in the eye and you can – there's so much nonverbal stuff going on when you have a conversation with international people. And then, you know, when you can bring a community together – at races or just through doing a community run when you can gather people that all share one passion for running or for whatever it is and you you understand the walks of life they're all from that is something that is so so special and one of my favorite things you know something I I really want to do is put together like a book of you know humans of the trails and talk to people and understand like what brought you to being on the trails everyone's got such a fascinating story and it's only until you stop having that connection and with masks you don't see the smile and with sunglasses you don't look someone in the eye that you realize that it was those small things that whether you're traveling or whether it's just at the shops down the street is so important for my like mental emotional and spiritual well-being I mean yeah forget the running it's so important for me to have that moment of kind of connectiveness that 
doesn't require touching someone, having a hug. But, um, yeah, just that kind of understanding that, like, I'm here for you. And, yeah, that's kind of a universal thing for me. I mean, earlier you said you had bouts of, like, anxiety and fears when you're in the Himalayas. Tell me more about that because you seem fearless on the surface, at least. Like, being a 15-year-old going after ultras is pretty amazing, especially female, and how you went after Western states, I mean, 2018, but then also 2019 was pretty fearless, and then landing, going, flying into Nepal in itself is something that kept me up at night, trying to think about how to logistically uh, do that, and then did you take the, the tiny the tiny flight in at the last, uh, the last connector. I'm trying to recall what, what that, uh, airport's called, but you, what I'm trying to say is you seem fearless, but then you seem to have overcome some anxieties and fears. I mean, tell me more about that. Yeah. So like you say, you know, in 2018, I was, I was definitely more, I was fearless in, I was so confident. I knew that I'd done everything I could. My goal for 2018, in, especially at Western States, was to stand on that start line and knew that I'd done everything I could in my power to be the strongest, fittest, readiest person on that start line. And I knew I, I knew I was fit and I knew I'd done everything. And the thing was, was that, you know, when you have that confidence and you have that success and then you don't take the downtime. You can't maintain that confidence, you know, just like everything in life, there's ebb and there's flow and everything passes. Um, and so when I then, you know, had some bad races, the voice in my head said, you are no longer as ready as you were. You are no longer as prepared. You're no longer as fast. You're no longer as fit. You're no, you no longer deserve, you know, what you, what you've been given and where you are, you know, like you've, we said previously is that you get a lot of opportunities as a, a sponsored athlete and you're, you can be flown around the world um, as much as you need. And I just felt like I didn't deserve that. And I really started to listen to that, that voice. You know, everyone has it. You know, I think that you stand on start line, everyone has that butterfly feeling, that nervousness. And that's because that race means something to you and that's important to have. But what I was starting to feel was like when I stood on a start line, I was just getting judged. You know, oh, she's looks a little different now. Oh, she had a bad race this year. You know, you read these previews, you read these forums, which you should never read. <laughs> um, people saying, you know, oh, like, yeah, Lucy, she DNF'd this race. She didn't start this race. And, you know, going back to your previous point was that after Western States 2018, no, 2019, I wanted to run the Kendall Mountain Run, um, which is an Aaron Viper race. And I asked for an entry. They gave it to me. And I said, oh, look, I'm just going to just jog it. I just want to have some fun out there. And I put on social media that I was just going to go out there and just be a part of the community. And just I've done my 100-mile race, didn't go to plan, but who cares? Like I just want to – I love running. I love community. I want to be a part of this race. 
And I had this feedback of, oh, but that's going to really hurt your ultra sign-up score. Oh, if you do that, it's going to bring your ITRA ranking down. And I was like, do people really not enter or stand on a start line unless they are ready to thrash themselves and get the fastest they can in order to get some points, which then get them into another race potentially? It just seemed so crazy to me. But I just felt like... And then I, I didn't, like, I just jogged it. I took it easy. But I had people's uh, opinions on me and assumptions about me. Oh, like, this was actually her going really hard and she's just really not fit. No, it was, like, a week after Western States. I was tired. Um, but kind of, you yeah, I just You shouldn't had, have to defend yourself at all. Well, that's it's it, like, you know. Yeah. And I started, to, I started to listen to the people. Um, you know, I have a... A strong social media following and it only takes a few voices that yeah. I can sometimes really zone into and you know normally it's my dad who'll be like hey Lucy that is ridiculous like but when I'm traveling I don't have him on my shoulder um, and all I have is me and my my phone and I'll look at it and then I think oh they're right like maybe they're right and then I went to Nepal and I got off the bus in um, the middle of nowhere and started to climb a 2,000 meter, no idea what feet that is, um, climb. <laughs> like and I 6, just thought, yeah. there you go, 6,000 feet climb. And I just thought, God, should I be doing this? Do I deserve to be doing this? Am I fit enough to be doing this? Am I ready enough? And it was like, wow. Those comments this, yeah. were going through your head almost? Yeah. And, oh. I, yeah. and I was like, well, that's one way to completely remove yourself from where you are and how luck and how much of an opportunity awaits. And the moment I let that go on that trail and I started to talk to the trekkers and to look at the mountains and to stop and to eat dal and to talk to the, um, to the people carrying the bags and just, you know, ha- having some fun. I just realized that, gosh, you know, when they get into your head, they get into your head and you've got to be able to find a space where that is not present. Yeah. I mean, your, your social media following is unbelievable. And I'm, I'm sure the amount of comments you get that are positive are probably off the charts, but then gosh, I, I'm amazed you read them all or, or read some of them. Cause it's just, it's overwhelming for me. I can't imagine a multiplier of, of that kind of feedback. But well, I want to bring up just one post that came to my attention recently, and this is a very good example. And actually, like happened a few days ago, I saw it, and I haven't spoken about it even to my dad because I was like, I don't know if I can really b- want to voice it because it just brings attention to it. But I think it's important to speak about. Um, I went to that someone said oh have you checked out your hashtag lucy bartholomew so when people post pictures of you you can see and i didn't realize you could do that so i i went to it and i saw all these pictures of selfies at races that i've done with people and i was like oh this is really cool one of the most recent pictures i was like oh that's like a weird picture why am i hashtagged in that and i clicked on it and i swiped across to see some of the other photos and all it was was pictures of from a race ultra trail australia and it was zoomed in pictures of my stomach and zoomed in pictures of my thighs and zoomed in pictures of my face and it's uh, the uh, the caption underneath was oh like a vegan diet um she's clearly 
gained 20 kilos. She's super, super overweight. She's unfit. She went from third at Western States to uh, I think I finished in 18th last year. Um, and it was all these things and just a whole lot of comments of people being like, yeah, oh my gosh, like, look at her. Oh, her poor parents. Like, oh, wow, she doesn't look after herself. Oh, look at this. You know, she must be the vegan diet. It must be this. And it was one of those moments where I was just like, wow, you know, like there is this account that posted this has 10,000 followers and these people all think this of me. Um, And they are making an assumption based on one picture, drawing conclusions that my lifestyle choices are wrong and that I am, uh, you know, I'm not a, a, a healthy person. I'm not a nice person. And it was just one of those moments where I was like, yeah, it made me really question what social media adds to my life. Um, but yeah. then, of course, you know, I put a picture up and of my dog and people are just so jazzed and so excited and so involved. And, you know, I write back to every single DM I get and I get probably about 60 to 70 a day, but I want people to know that if you take the time to message me, I'll take the time to message you. I noticed that I was blown away, honestly. Um, <laughs> so kudos to you. But yeah, that, it's sick. It Like there's a side of social media that's truly, truly sick. I mean, the fact that someone would go through all that trouble to like, highlight your body and all that other it's just um it's sad it's really sad uh but let's let's talk more about you being plant-based because i mean this is a big part of your life you wrote a whole you know cookbook on this i can't wait to actually check that out too by the way um tell me more about how this process developed like where was the inspiration to become plant-based and i mean i I have to hear more about the title of the book too yeah so (laughs) i went plant-based um i've probably been i'm gonna say off and on and i don't say vegan because uh that's a scary thing sometimes to associate with um you know i choose a plant-based diet uh, which means that I don't eat, uh, usually don't consume meat or animal products. Um, and I went, I started, I tried it when I was well, six years ago and mainly out of curiosity, you know, I'd read Eat and Run by Scott Jurek. He was my idol. I think I've read it five times since. Um, it's a good one. <laughs> and, oh, it's so good. I could, I, yeah, I was talking to my dad the other day and I was like oh maybe I'll just read that again he was like why don't you try something else (laughs) (laughs) um and I was just curious uh, you know curiosity and that's always been something that I've chased so I kind of thought right I'm gonna try it you know I was young my mom was still you know preparing my meals for me and to her it was the biggest inconvenience it was kind of you know pick the chicken out of your curry then you know just put it on the side Um, and so that was how it kind of started. And when I started to kind of get more into it and commit a little bit further past, you know, a week or so, my mom said, well, if you're going to do this right, you, if you're going to do this, you're going to have to do it right. Um, so you need to learn about, you can't just take something out of the food pyramid or take something off your plate and then expect your body and expect everything to kind of work the same. You know, everything plays an important role in your diet. 
So I, yeah, I did a lot of reading. I have always loved cooking. I love being in the kitchen um, when, when I was living with my mom um, or otherwise now just cooking for my family. It's kind of like that's my love language is, is cooking and preparing for people. I just love it. Um, but as I read a lot and looked online and whilst I was looking for nutritional and like understanding how to create wholesome, um, fully nutritionally packed meals, I kind of read a lot about the environmental sides and the ethical side. So I kind of, you know, that kind of drew me in. I was curious about like understanding that when I go to the supermarket and I spend my hard earned money on products, what am I really supporting? And what do I want to be consuming and to be putting into my body? And so that's kind of, you know, it started for health reasons and just curiosity. And, you know, everyone says you recover better, you feel great, you sleep well, your skin's amazing. And like, yeah, it is. It's great. But like, that's super, super small compared to what I feel like I'm in the lifestyle for, which is more about you know, playing my small, small part in protecting the place that I live and the animals that I run by, you know, as an athlete and especially a trail runner, the, the mountains, the trails, the land is, is my office. It's also my, my cathedral. If you want to talk about it in a religious way, it's my, um, it's my home. And so, yeah, choosing to not eat those animals, uh, it was a huge decision for me to like commit to, but I have really felt that it's been the right thing for me. And it's something because I'm so passionate about food and because I have the time and I really put the effort in, I've been able to somewhat maintain it. I mean, when I've traveled, I've gone to places like the Gobi Desert and I don't think I ate anything that was an animal, it's a tough but one. you just yeah. don't. <laughs> Yeah, I'm probably not many options. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I I distinctly remember talking to Jamil Curry on the podcast, and he was like, yeah, I've been vegan for 10 years now, and I made a promise to myself next time I eat meat, I have to kill the animal. And he's like, I just haven't got there yet. Like, I just haven't been interested. I was kind of, I was like taken aback at first, and then... I don't know. It, it's stuck with me ever since, and I've I've tried every diet under the sun. Like, um, part of that experimentation is the reason I lost a bunch of weight and actually found running in the first place. So that that was helpful. Um, but I I have to say, whenever um, I go full blown, just plant based, my cardiovascular system feels like. I have an extra gear that I've never, like, never had. Um, is that what you experienced when you first started this? And what what was the timeline like when you went plant-based? Yeah, so I think for me, the biggest thing that I kind of came to understand, uh, and I can probably wrap my head around the best, is that my recovery was amazing, which enabled me to train better, which enabled me to have better gearing and be stronger cardiovascularly. So, you know, if you think about it, you eat a piece of meat at dinner and meat generally takes about, about 16 hours for it to digest. Um, so when you go to sleep that night, um, instead of your body using that time to, to grow, to repair, to 
get stronger to do maintenance, you know, just like you repair a car and take it in. Um, it's instead just spending a lot of energy and a lot of time just digesting that food. So you wake up and still that meat is being digested within you and then you have breakfast. So you're putting something on top of that and then you're going running. So for me, you know, when, when you eat like a plant-based dinner, which is probably the meal that if I said to anyone to just have one meatless meal a day, it would be your dinner is because if you have say beans or tofu or whatever, um, plant-based protein, for dinner that takes about five to six hours or sometimes even less and so that you know you have a dinner a few hours before you go to bed you go to bed maybe two hours of your sleep time is spent yeah digesting that food clearing it out cleaning maintaining and then it can go into that process of repairing and growing and strengthening and that's where you find that you wake up and you're like boom I'm ready to go like there is nothing here that is slowing me down holding me back I'm ready to to train again and that gives you that that cardiovascular kind of improvement and that's kind of the way I've looked at it and I that's probably the best way I can understand it is just to look at it as like what goes in how long it sits there and when we need when we're getting up and going again but having that break um, because otherwise you know breakfast is meant to be this breaking from your fast but that meat is still in there so like what do you your body's not really had a break at all um so that's kind of been my understanding of it and then you know for me my timeline with my plant-based journey it's been like oh I mean I went plant-based at the end of high school um which is probably a very uncool time because generally you know in Australia we celebrate with beers and sausages <laughs> and um i didn't really partake in either of those things so. I, had, I had not heard of that tradition oh, no. <laughs> it's usually yeah like christmas time it's summer sausages they call them snags snags and um and beer on the beach is kind of like the way to see out your end of your schooling nice. <laughs> and, um, i was out running <laughs> interesting do you, do you yeah. drink st- like still or not at all? I'm very, um, like I pick my moments. Um, I'm not someone who drinks regularly at all, but yeah. you know, and I finish Western States or when I, you know, on my 21st birthday, you know, my brother is kind of my, my influence. <laughs> That's right. You're only 24. Gosh. Only, yeah. Like th- three years into this or it's drinking. Is 21 the drinking age for Australia? I don't even know. No, it's 18. 18. Okay, so you're an old pro. Never mind. Um, <laughs> uh, so when I go full-blown plant-based, and I, my diet, sometimes that's just for a year straight. Sometimes that's just during taper. Almost every taper, regardless of my diet, I'll go full-blown um, vegan and then... I mean, my only issue is sometimes my body is short on things. It leaves tendons tighter. And I feel like my injury rate's a little bit higher than normal. Um, I'm Sometimes I'll have trouble. And I think Scott Jurek's the one that shares a lot of this stuff in his book about trying to synthesize certain amino acids. It, it might have been ritual. But 
how did you handle that? Do you have like a method to like, okay, I know I'm going to be short on B12. Like this is the combination of, of what I need each day to, to make sure I'm not short on that stuff. And have you noticed any kind of changes in injury rate? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, for me, I, I eat a very simple diet. Um, you know, it's the foods I consume and the foods that the cookbook uses, you know, in the olden days were considered the peasant food because <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm 24 years old. I'm a professional ultra runner. I'm not exactly rolling in money. Um, <laughs> and some of the vegan products that are on the market are just, just insanely priced. Um, and I kind of wanted to show people in this cookbook that you can just have super basic ingredients that you can get anywhere in the world and you can com- create dishes that are nutritious, delicious and yeah, cheap. So for me, you know, I kind of, I, you know, I'm very, I'm pretty educated on how to put together a meal. And like you say, you've got, um, to have a complete protein, you know, beans by itself is not a complete, but when you put beans and rice together, suddenly you have a complete of the nine amino amino acids. But, you know, when you start to look at food like that, it becomes a science experiment and a mathematical (laughs) problem and just (laughs) way, way away from what I'm used to. So for me, you know, um, I supplement iron and I supplement B12, uh, which are the two things that I, if you eat a plant-based diet or even if not, I think they say most of the world is deficient in iron and, um, and, and B12 is something that we're getting less and less of as kind of the way that meat is produced is changing. Um, and then, you know, in terms of like putting together meals and stuff, I think that it's just really important that you look at what you're putting on your plate and looking that there's a fat component, that there's a carb component and there's a protein component. And I think that society is telling us that carbs are bad or they're telling us that high fat is good. And they're telling us that all these crazy things, and it's really, really easy to get caught up in that and to look at your plate and be like, whoa, like, what am I, what, what is there a lot of on here and what isn't there? Um, so I think for me, you know, like I take, I get a blood test every three months, which is something that I, you know, if you change anything in your diet, if you take anything out, your blood takes about three months before it will like really show up on a blood test. So by getting a blood test every three months, I'm constantly like, oh, cool, like everything's good. Or like this winter, I was like, oh, my vitamin D is a little low. Wow, the sun really doesn't shine in Australia in winter. Um, And I I supplemented that and I can kind of adjust. And that's something that I think you start to learn a bit of intuition on it and you become to get to know your body really well and understand it through, yeah, like – I think people say, oh, you're tired, you just need to sleep more. But it's like, "Uh, well, actually, maybe I'm tired because I'm low on iron and I'm anemic. Um, So I think that's kind of something that's really important to me. And But I don't think complicating your food and your dishes and your your meals is going to do anything to help yourself because whilst eating is a physical act, um, it's also such an emotional and such a mental thing, you know, when I sit down and I talk about this in my book, it's like having that moment of pause and that moment of gratitude and that moment of being like, wow, you know, I put this together. I have the freedom and the privilege to be able to source all these ingredients. I get to 
to nourish my body, to fuel my energy, to then take me for a run and kind of understanding that it's not just something I shove down my throat in the hope that it will get me through the next six hours until my next meal. Um, and so that's kind of the way I look at it is kind of just understanding that maybe what you eat is important, but I think how you eat and why you eat it is really, really important and far more probably higher on my importance list. Um, what was the other part of your question? I mean, I was, I was joking about how you came up with the title also. Oh um, yeah. <laughs> I wanted to hear like a little bit of background on it cause it's creative. Yeah. So <laughs> the, the title came, so the, the title is, I don't even know how you really say it. I call it sustain is the book. Um, and the reason I came up with it was because I, I love really short words that kind of have a lot of meanings. And when you look up what sustain means, it means to nurse, to nourish, to thrive, to if you're sustaining something, you're sustaining yourself is something for a consistent amount of time, for a prolonged amount of time. And that's what we're all doing, right? As humans, we're eating to sustain ourselves to wake up the next day and continue on with life until it stops. And, um, I think that then I kind of was looked up and they said, Oh, sustain sustainability. And I was like, Oh yeah, this, the sustainability practice, you know, sustainability is a very common word used these days to talk about the environment and how you can reduce your effects on it. And that's what a plant-based diet's all about is that it has a less effect on the environment and it has a, a greater effect on kind of your, your body's ability to nourish itself. Um, but I didn't want it to be just about the sustainability side of things. I wanted it to be about sustaining your ability. And the whole book isn't, uh, all the recipes are plant-based, but kind of understanding that my dad is not plant-based. And so everything I make has kind of like, there might be like a little note that like my dad puts cheese on the pizza because he believes that a pizza is not really a pizza without cheese. And that's okay. It's and that allows logical him to argument, actually. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, many people believe, uh, agree with him. <laughs> is it a pizza? That's interesting. <laughs> um, and so it's like he's sustaining his ability, but what it is is it's allowing us to sustain the idea of sitting down for a meal together. And it's just about, yeah, um, nourishing us nourishing and nursing and sustaining our way through life and for me a plant-based diet has has led me um on the best path i mean it's amazing because it seems like your philosophy on food is that's you that's your philosophy on on everything like i i like how it it all ties together so beautifully seriously it's it's really amazing you're 24 you you know, you're an elite athlete, you're an author. I mean, what else are you visualizing before you go to bed every night? Because I know you're thinking about big goals in the future. Do you have a few big ones coming up? I mean, it sounds like you also wanted to write another book. Yeah, I think for me, my biggest... Um, pleasure in the last few years has been putting on camps uh so I put on I've put on about six in Australia and last year I did my first one overseas in South Africa 
And, you know, I have an amazing community that follow me online. And, you know, in Australia at these camps, you know, I take 20 people um, up to 30 and they fill out with, without, within 10 minutes generally everyone's paid, signed up, ready to go, super keen. And it's super beautiful to bring together 30 strangers into a mountain hut or a coastal little home and to share a weekend or three days together. And, you know, it's, it's, a, it's me in a weekend. You know, if you ever wanted to understand what my life looks like, it's how we live that weekend. You know, I do all the cooking for everyone because that's what I love. It's not what I have to do. It's it's what I no, it's not what I need to do. It's what I want to do, and so I that's what a lot of the recipes come from. Are things that I've made at the camps, and none of these people are plant based when they come. But you know, I say you know, come and just try and embrace what this is for the weekend. You know, this is a weekend of being really mindful with our moments, really conscious of our surroundings, of being present with the people we are, looking them in the eye, sharing a smile, having a conversation running at a pace that maybe is a little slower for you, maybe a little faster, um, or maybe, you know, stopping to look at the view and eating something that you don't normally eat on the trail. Um, so these, are, these camps are kind of like some of my favorite things and something that I just want to take around the world. You know, there's lots of camps going on, but I feel like mine is a very kind of, it's a, it's like welcome to my home, you know. I'm going to cook for you. We're going to go running. I'm going to show you some of my favorite routes going to do some breathing and breath work because I think that's really interesting and really does um it's something you can take away and you can either add to your life or you can completely go that was not for me but I'm really glad I tried it um and kind of just having that open mind so I think the camps are something that I really in my future and I see doing more of them in Europe in the US um in New Zealand and that's kind of like my, my baby of everything because it combines my running, my mindfulness, my cooking, uh, my community, um, and just, yeah, that's everything in a weekend. So that's kind of like my, my other thing. And then obviously, yeah, like I want to do that little book or I want to do just like start an Instagram page where I can just share that you don't have to be a certain type of person to be a runner. You don't have to look a certain way. You don't have to dress this way you don't have to wear this wear that and just kind of yeah realizing that the community of ultra running and trail running and road running and every running like I just I one of the other things I'm super passionate about is realizing that ultra runners you know running is running and I feel like there's this bit of a divide between road runners and track runners and ultra runners and some of my best friends are elite track athletes or elite road runners and just understanding that like a kilometer is a kilometer and understanding that a kilometer or a mile is a mile a mile up a vk or a mile on the track you know it all takes effort it all takes energy it all takes persistence it's all a little uncomfortable but it's all worth it um and kind of just bringing people together and understanding that you know if we all just love running for running and whether you run for the bus or whether you run a hundred miles or more, you know, you're a runner and just to be proud of that and to support other runners, um, no matter what they define themselves as. Well, sign me up for one of your camps at some point. That sounds like a blast, honestly. Oh, I'd love to have you. You you should do one in Denver. You should, you know, a small mountain town around Denver. 
think it would be, be well-received in the States. Maybe before Western States next year, I'll come early and we can do something. If I can travel, I'm there. Get some altitude training and do your camp. It's genius yeah. idea, yeah. <laughs> so I, am, I just have one or two more questions and really appreciate all your time here. What's one thing that people don't know about you? That you're like, oh, if they if they only knew. Like, is there one or two things that like people just either don't understand or misunderstand, or is there anything like within that realm? I think. Um, well, one thing that people seem to miss out of the equation of my life is my mom. Um, so I talk a lot about my dad. I talk a lot about my eldest brother, Josh. Um, who's a runner himself, but I actually have another brother and I have a mom who live in the UK. And um, I think that she kind of gets missed out of the whole story a lot. Um, she's, she doesn't really understand the sport of running, but she's been such a huge supporter and always been a prospective person. You know, her always goal was, you know, do what makes you happy. And there was a time that um, I, after running my first 100Ks, I entered into a race, uh, a 250K race in the Simpson Desert and over five days. And my dad blatantly said no. He said, you know, you're too young. Uh, I was like, it falls exactly in my school holidays. Like, it's perfect. <laughs> and um, he, he was flat out no. And my mom was the one who stood by me and she said, you know, go, you can do this. Um, and my dad, you know, he didn't speak to me for three or four months. Um, he's someone who holds a grudge and holds it well. And the silent treatment is his biggest weapon. Um, but my mom was, you know, I came back from that race, you know, I was second overall there and my mom was just always that person that stuck by me. So I think that I wish, I think, people don't think she's part of the story and they don't understand that I, I love my mom. She's a huge part of my, my well being and part of the reason I still run today because she's always been that person that doesn't quite get it, but will always want to get it and will always want to be there. You know, she came to Chamonix last year when I was meant to run CCC and I pulled out and she was just like, Oh, okay, no worries. You know, what are we going to do for the day? Should we go, sit down and eat some cheese and pasta and, you know, I'll, I'll, she can eat cheese and pasta and I'll, <laughs> you know, do my thing. And, you know, just, she just didn't mind, you know, whereas I had a lot of people saying, Oh, why are you not racing? And she was like, no, she just doesn't want to do it. And that's great. We're going to hang out. We're going to take the chairlift. We're going to hang out together. And that's just something I think is really important because I think parents always ask me like, how can I get my child into running? And it's like, you know, sometimes you just don't have to want to do that. Like, just let your child just support whatever they show interest in in your own small way. And I think my mom was a, a huge, a bigger part than probably I even understand now. Are you really 24? <laughs> I'm mom's favorite you, now. <laughs> you, oh, yeah, that too. Christmas is coming up or whatever holiday and... Yeah. Your gifts just got bigger. Um, <laughs> I, I was going to finish with kind of what big lesson you've traveled the globe. I want to hear if there was like one moment where someone imparted some kind of wisdom to you that you sort of you live by. 
um, whether it be running related or not, wherever in the globe, whoever it was, was there a moment where someone kind of like took you aside and walked and shared something that has really affected your life? I think the moment the moment that comes to mind, and it's probably the right one to say, was I was in Annecy in France, and I took um, I flew into Geneva, and I took the bus, and I screwed up my accommodation booking, and I got in. It was getting late at night, and I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to speak French. I didn't know where to go, and I was at a bus stop, and there was the tourist information center, and. Under the overhang, uh, I just I kind of just sat down. I was like, well, you know, I could just like wait out the night here and then suss out something in the morning because I was pretty tired. And um, I sat down there and I was kind of, you know, I'm pretty used to sleeping on, you know, airplane, um, airport chairs or just any anywhere. I'm a pretty good sleeper. And um, this homeless guy came up to me and it was, you know, obviously I had that initial thought of like, Oh gosh, like I need to get help. I need to do something. And then I, he sat down next to me and we, we had a conversation, you know, I just asked him, I was like, Oh, you know, he spoke English, which was a miracle. Um, and we had a conversation about, you know, Annecy, he said, you know, the best place to, to, to dine out the best place to look at the stars the best place to um to go run it you know he knew all these things that I'd made an assumption that he knew nothing because obviously his life wasn't doing anything and uh ended up buying him some McDonald's and we sat down for the whole night really and had a conversation and he really told me that you know life is what you make it and you've got to you do you and that's something that I've constantly said on my social media he said you know people make assumptions of me every day people won't look at me people won't talk to me people won't you know they they won't do anything for me what they don't realize is that I'm I'm happy I'm happy doing what I'm doing I'm happy where I am and as long as I'm happy then it really shouldn't matter and for someone in his position to say that and to say that at midnight in Annecy with me with an, a blonde Australian who was just I think I was what uh, 19 at the time uh, was something that was really really cool to kind of understand that you know one don't judge a book by its cover um, two you know having a, talking to someone and giving them some space looking them in the eye sharing a smile and going yeah I'm where I want to be as well you know yeah, I screwed up my hotel booking, but because of that, I got to have a conversation. I got to buy him a meal, and that is something that I've always taken with my traveling is that I don't care what you look like. I don't care what you do. I don't care what size you are. I don't care how fast you run. To me, you know, if, if you're happy, then you do you, man. I am 100% your biggest cheerleader. It's such a perfect place to end. Lucy, thank you so much for taking so much of your time tonight and where can people get your book where can people follow you on social i know you need some extra social followers so (laughs) just the good ones just the positive ones just the positive ones yes um yeah so uh, you can get the book through my website um at the moment it's an ebook and it's coming out as a hard copy in the by Christmas so we're going to hopefully have orders open um, and everything will be handwritten by me and sent by me so uh, that's on my website www.lucybartholomew.com 
Uh, I'm on Instagram at Lucy underscore Bartholomew. Um, and then Facebook's kind of just a copy and paste of Instagram, so I wouldn't really bother with both of them. And um, I'm on Strava if you really, really care about what I run. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's how I'll judge you, just by those Strava <laughs> runs. Have Have a good, I think it's day for you. And yeah, thank you again. Stay in touch. Let's Let's try to figure out this run camp in, in Colorado for you. So thanks again for joining me. Yeah, thank you so much. I really appreciate your time and, yeah, for putting out this good, good conversations into the world. It's, uh, yeah, this is what the world needs more of. And that was episode 150 of the Training for Ultra podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. Big thank you to Lucy for going deep there. We, we got to explore a lot of really fascinating topics and just enjoyed that conversation thoroughly so don't worry we'll have Alyssa Clark's episode part two coming later this week big shout out to you patreon supporters next episode I'm giving you guys all the uh the tier shout outs I've been slacking on that but big thank you for your support big thank you to hammer nutrition exoskin and kogala big supporters of the podcast Have a great week, guys. Don't forget to enjoy your training. See ya.